Good morning. Good morning this morning. How's it going? It is going great, Dennis. Are we ready to not be lonely? Uh, no. <laughs> I'm no. not. I must isolate and lock people out of my world. You can't do that. Hey, with the defective characters, three guys sitting around talking about our personal experience in recovery. Hey, I'm Mike. I'm Dennis. And I'm James. The opinions are our own, though, don't represent any particular organization, institution, or fellowship. Today, we'll be sharing about loneliness in this episode 102 of the Defective Characters Podcast. Let's go. Woohoo. Lonely, lonely, lonely. James, Dennis just said that he's feeling like he wants to isolate. What are we going to do? Let him. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> well, let's start with you, James. I feel like we always ask Dennis, and he says that uh, you know he's just got got so much to, uh, yeah. to bring to the table every single week. So That's let's put the pressure bro- on you. Well, you know, to begin with, Dennis is going to do whatever Dennis wants to do, anyways. I <laughs> when I invite him to do something, he's like, oh, I don't know, maybe. I'll invite him like two weeks ahead of time and then on the day of it's like maybe I was like it's in two hours okay <laughs> let me know ten minutes before you go and then he's usually <laughs> then he's like no I don't want to go <laughs> he's such a turd but I love him um so everything's been going great for me um I, I mentioned to you guys um you know not recording that uh, I recently got hired at Disney and uh, it was definitely a, a God thing because um, you guys know that I, I bartend and I, I'm a server and I've kind of hit the, the ceiling where I'm working so I, was like, ah. I saw on, on Facebook that a friend of mine got hired at Disney I was like oh that's what got the wheels yeah you mentioned that last week you that's where you were at the wheels were turning and you said you're content I don't know if I want to actually do it. You're weighing it out. Dennis was really swaying, like trying to sway you like, well, listen, it's a great company to work for. And that's, I think that, so that was what? I think we recorded a day early. So that was like Wednesday. And then I think you told us the news off podcast on Friday. Yes. I, so what happened was I was like, okay, God, I, I don't really want to leave. I, you know, if, if you want me to leave, give me a sign, right? And that was after our podcast, because I was really taking what, you know, mainly Dennis. Dennis was very instrumental. He's like, yeah, you want to work for Disney. And I was like, no, okay. So I, I asked, I, after the podcast, I prayed, God, give me a sign. That night at work, one of the, one of the other waitresses, she happens to work at Disney, at the Animal Kingdom. She works with the animals, like a nutritionist. And we were talking, and I was, you know, being my my silly. And she's like, "Oh, you would really be a good fit at Disney. Have you ever thought about applying?" And I was like, "Get the heck!" Here. I, I look up and I smile at God. I was like, "Okay, okay, that's pretty clear." And um, the next morning, Friday morning, I um, had the morning meeting at eight to nine. At nine o'clock, I decided to fill out a profile online. I, I told my wife what I was doing. She's like, oh, okay, here, if you want, use me as a reference. I filled out the profile. Then I was just 
you know, lying down watching Netflix and I was just checking my email for fun to see if anything happened. And it's like, oh, by the way, with your qualifications, you um, you have matched up. We want to uh, do an interview or no, an, an online evaluation interview. <clears throat> so I was like, okay, I clicked on it. I did that. That was about 40 minutes. And then I must have passed because they wanted to set up a phone interview. I... I set up a phone interview in a half an hour from the email. And it's funny because it was a Zoom interview. So my my top half was a tie and a sweater vest and everything. But I was wearing shorts. So that was kind of funny. <laughs> and, um, and I killed the interview. She loved me. And at, she said, you know, we don't have anything available at the beginning of the interview. By the end of the interview, she's like, well, let me see what I can do. She's like, let me work my Disney magic. And she offered me a job. So by the time I made a decision Friday morning, I was hired at Disney World within five hours. Wow. I know. It was one of those, like, God saw my heart. He's like, well, let me just do this for James. He's, he's a good egg. So now, do you think she said there was no there was no positions because she wanted to take the pressure off of the interview for you? Maybe. And the thing was, I did not even know. I applied for a like a, a quick serve position, not not even a tipped serving position because they didn't have those on the website. So right when the interview started, I was like, just to be transparent with you, I, I don't want to work in a tip position. I mean, I don't want to work in a quick serve position. I have a lot of experience as a tipped server. And she's like, oh, oh, I see. Well, let me be transparent with you. There's a long waiting list for that if we don't have anything available. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> But something I said must have really triggered because it worked. Uh, now, I imagine I imagine you probably didn't. But did you name drop Dennis? I did not. Or my okay. wife. I, well, I did actually say my wife works for the company. And I didn't say her name, but I said, you know, that he works in special events and media. And she's like, oh, well, that's nice. But it was a fun interview. It was really fun. Is it true, Dennis, you think he would have been handed management if he named her up to you? Probably not. He might have got banned from Disney Parks, maybe. <laughs> I don't think so. Really? That's not how that works. I, well, just to, in short, like, I don't know. Like, I had fear of change, and I was comfortable. But I used the help that God put around me to reach out and try something new. And when I made a decision, God worked really fast. He doesn't always work that fast, but in this case, he worked lightning fast, guys. And I'm talking about... Yeah, that's real fast. Yeah. Dennis, what is that noise? (laughs) It's the dump truck out in the parking lot. I'm sure. (laughs) It sounds, it sounds like God striking lightning. They're like the dumpsters. Oh, nice! You're it's, not. You're not in it's the dumpster, right? No. Okay. I didn't know. I didn't know they're if you started the... working in the in the, uh, the garbage business. So you no, had, I you did had not. The first people I called and told after I got hired. Just you know. <laughs> I'm a, I'm excited, and you'll you'll have to let uh, let us know anyway where you're going to be at, so that way we can uh, we can come and. And harass you and tell people that they should uh, they should tip you more. Like we'll judge other people. We'll sit there 
And then if they leave you a bad tip, we'll follow them. Yeah. You know? We can sit at his tables and just order water uh, and eat the free bread. No! <laughs> You're the worst kind of people, Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like that quite a bit. Well, I'm awfully proud of you, buddy. So did, uh, did you already give the news to your current employer? No, I have not. <laughs> um, but it's they, they hired me part-time, so I'm going to be able to work where I work now. Two days a week and then Disney three days a week. And that is awesome. So I don't really have to change much. And the thing is, they'll probably, where I'm at now, put me on two doubles. So it'll be four days. It's like four shifts. And I already work six, so finish just be working more <laughs> well that's great and, and it also gets you in like uh, your foot in the door so that way the next thing that gets offered up um, yeah you should be able to see if they're looking for people before anybody else right so that way you'll be at the top yeah that you came along you have access to like all this, the inside scoops and so on and so forth that's fantastic. Yeah, it'll be a lot easier, like, move it up to full-time once you're there, for sure. Well, congratulations, James. That's really great news. Thank you so much. Dennis, how you doing? How was the last week? Yeah. I, uh, last time we recorded, I was going to the psychiatrist again that day. So I did that. Um, like, guy taken off one medicine and put on a different medicine and then that new medicine that I started like two days later um basically is makes me tired I'm like super freaking sleepy for like the last like few days and I don't know if it's from like the withdrawal of the old medicine or if it's the new medicine hmm. but like I think I'm sleeping a little better which is a good thing because I wasn't really sleeping that well um, with the other medicine but now I'm just like super tired and it's making me do like a weird thing with my face where like I catch myself like clenching my jaw kind of so I have to like be conscious of that and like move my mouth around and I think that's a known side effect of this particular drug which hmm. I think is weird so not really liking it too much well, which is really like the, the whole side effects. So you know how they have all those commercials and they're like, yeah. oh, your life will be great. And then side effects and then they give all of them. It's like, I, it may, yeah. maybe there's worse side effects that can be out there. But um, I mean, I can yeah. think of one off the top of my head, like say w winking was the side effect. You could get yourself into many troubles if there was an attractive girl and her boyfriend walking up <laughs> you were just winking you know at least yeah. at least you know that you know having jaw issues isn't hey you're really attractive you know like that that won't be misconstrued yeah. i would think winking would be one of the worst side effects ever it gets you into so much I, trouble i don't know i think i think the jaw one is pretty bad like one it makes my face look more angry like i already like am cursed with like permanent angry eyes because of my eyebrows slant downwards so now you get angry so like, jaw 
now I got like it makes me look like I'm frowning more. So I like I looked in the mirror and I looked at myself and I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, sorry for that, but like, I like just looked like I was like give, like mean grilling myself and I was like, what the hell? I'm not angry. Like, we'll have to get you one so of those face sucked. masks that are actually like the perma smile. So that way, <laughs> right? Oh, wow. Just wear like a, a a Joker face mask. And... I mean, yeah. it, it is a look, you know? Yeah. So so are you going to ask about that? Or have you just accepted that it's going to be on that medication? That's what it's going to be? Well, I'm going to, like... Like, it always takes, like, a, a little bit to, like, for your... For to acclimate to it, you know? So there's always, like, some side effects and, like, the grogginess and stuff is very common. Um... So I'm going to give it a few days and I'm going to talk to like our friend, the doctor is coming back in the country like today, I think. So I should see him in the next couple of days. So I'm going to ask him about it. And then like if it persists over the next day or two, then I'm going to just, just going to quit taking it. And then I'll let the doctor know, you know. Gotcha. Well, that's that's good. That's, I, I mean, I, I think having a plan of attack is the best thing for anything. James felt content. He thought about it. He's like, oh, the worst thing that happens is I don't hear back from Disney, but I apply. You know, you know, there's people that you can ask instead of just sitting in it. And yeah. I would sit in stuff all the time. And, you know, based on your guys' shares in the past, I think we can all relate to that. You know, of saying like just sitting sitting in the stuff and figuring that it'll it'll change eventually. And for me it did. It just it never changed to, for the better, really. You know, and if it did, I wouldn't actually appreciate that. So So that's good. Um I came up with a couple topics last week, uh, before we jump into loneliness. Uh Oh, wait, how was your how was your week, Mike? So it was. Thank you for asking, Dennis. Uh, it was good. I have some. Um, I started donating plasma again, which I honestly twofold years ago. Um, I think I shared on here. A really close friend of mine when I was in college ended up passing away. He was anemic. He got into a car accident, and so I started donating plasma back then, back in two thousand eight. Um, and then financially also it helps with like gas money because I drive a lot to and from work and even coming to the meetings. I drive like 25,000 miles a year, which is a good chunk. And it helps with, uh, I guess, paying some of those bills in between if things are slow at work. And I started again and a week and a half ago, they, they, I don't know if they had somebody new or he wasn't paying attention, but they like bruised my arms. So they've been telling me that I can't donate. And I was agitated because when you start back donating, they will compensate you more. So I was really nervous about that because I'm like, well, I'm not going to be able to do the schedule that they want. And I told them and they said, don't worry at all. It was our fault. This was this morning when I went. They said, we, you can't donate. You're going to have to wait another couple weeks. And they said, well, we'll put something on your file. So whenever you can donate again, 
we'll compensate you the amount that we originally told you we would. Um, and that relieved a lot of stress that I had because I, you know, I, I don't want to do it anyway, but I know my daughter needs extra stuff. And now she's moving into a class next month where she's going to need a uniform for school. Um, so that was that was the latest thing that today, just like an hour and a half ago, I was relieved that they said, hey, uh, don't worry, you'll be all good. You know, when you when you can come back because I'm going away for a week in Massachusetts, I'm going to see family. It's going to be great. And then I'm moving. So the next couple of weeks, there's a lot of stuff. But today, I really don't have much fear. I know that. You know, if I'm feeling a certain way, I have to talk to somebody, you know, if I'm agitated at things. And I also know who not to talk to. So say I'm frustrated with my boss. I know the best person to talk to is not my boss about frustration. You know, it's talking to you guys or my sponsor or friends that won't get that info back to them, you know, because every once in a while I get a really fun idea and I'm like you know what maybe this person needs to know what I think of them <laughs> not the best yeah it's usually not a good idea not you, know who the, you know who the best person to talk to about issues I, I think their name has three letters no three syllables Poop three. <laughs> is that right oh yeah she knows all about frustration yeah so, who was the three letters that you were thinking of? I was thinking, I was thinking James was going to say God. Oh. Oh, yeah. If I'm not being comedic, I'm always talking about God. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, like the, the last week in many respects is really good. And you guys know that I'm a planner and it drives, it drives me crazy. Well, do you like planning? Do you like planting flowers or trees? Planning. Without, without a team, I wish. I wish I could actually plant. That sounds therapeutic. But I'm trying to relieve some of the planning when I go up to visit family. I really only have three plans in six days, um, and they're very fluid. So um, I don't know. I guess I'm I'm trying to relieve some of that stuff. You know, like I never get mad if a plan doesn't happen but I like having the plan. So I like being like, oh yeah, well today I'm going to do this. And if that doesn't work out, at least I tried. And I definitely got that in, in sobriety, but I would, uh, in early sobriety, it would end up burning me because I would have a plan that I would go to these certain meetings at certain times. And then if something happened with my schedule and I was late, I would be really aggravated. I would have to show up late to the meeting or not at all and I would have to go to a different one and it would irritate me and that's where I learned you know what you can totally make a plan if it doesn't work out you know like the stereotype of you know you make a plan and God laughs um, now the plans that I make are just what I what my intentions are so uh, I intended to do uh, this podcast with you guys today and that's why we're here because it all worked out but if it didn't I know that there's plenty of other time that we could have got together, you know. So, 
That is that. So today's topic, loneliness, one that I got a thumbs up from Dennis and James goes with the flow, um, was something that I guess I didn't realize how lonely I was before the program. There's just like uh, if we're telling our stories and like how it was, what happened or what it's like now, if I could start with like like how it was I didn't realize that I was lonely I felt different before I came to the rooms and even before I was drinking I felt different but I didn't necessarily feel alone uh, it wasn't until what was it six years before I quit uh, drinking that so this was what 2008 when I started drinking the way I wanted by myself. My girlfriend would be around at the time who I lived with but sometimes I would just be in the other room watching something. She would be watching a uh, TV show in another room and I would just have my beers right next to me and I started really feeling lonely and my friends are like why aren't you in the same room and I'm like well I'm not, I, I don't want to watch the same thing and they're like well why are you drinking by yourself? And I didn't realize that that was a strange thing. And when they mentioned it, it's not like I stopped, but I definitely had bits of feeling like lonely at that point. Like, and I was doing it myself, you know? Um, and I, I would listen to music and that would actually make it worse like old music and bands from years ago and then it just I would be alone but I wouldn't feel lonely if that makes any sense so it's funny that when I was alone at first I didn't feel alone then I did and then it went back to being alone a lot more of the time and not having you know I would work essentially by myself in a studio where there was no one else around and then I would just hang out by myself and then due to my schedule I would only be around towards the last days of my drinking I would only really be around people for an hour at work and maybe an hour at home and the rest of it outside the weekends that was I was I was living a very lonely life um and it was, it was tough. So I, that's why I think I started to dissect loneliness when I came into the rooms and heard other people and their experiences. So that's why I thought it was uh, a good topic today. Dennis or James, who wants to go first? Go on, Dennis. Okay. Um, yeah, loneliness. I'm very familiar with loneliness. Um, before I came into the rooms, you know, I was one of those, like, it's kind of cliche, but it's like, um, I, I could feel lonely in a room full of people. And, you know, like, I, I, ever since a young age, like, I grew up with four siblings and two parents, or three siblings, four, there was four of us kids or whatever. So we always had a full house and stuff, but I always felt different and isolated. And, like, people didn't, like, they didn't understand me or whatever so there was like a loneliness all growing up and stuff 
and like I had friends and stuff like that, but that it, it, there was still like a lot of moments of that feeling lonely. And then right, like fast forward, right before I came in, when like my anxiety was like super bad, and like I was very isolated, I felt like lonely all the time. I literally felt alone in like all of existence. You know what I'm saying? Which is a horrible, horrible feeling. It really sucks. Um, but coming into the rooms, you know, like it, it takes a little bit, but like the fellowship that is built up around me, and like the friends that I have, like, kind of prevent me from being lonely. It's like I'll still have moments where I'll feel lonely at like different times of the day or whatever. A lot of times it comes from like boredom or something, but like I know that I'm not alone. And you know, if I have like an issue come up or I'm going through something, like there's a multiple people that I can like call and talk to or go hang out with or whatever, and like and not feel lonely and not have to do anything alone if I don't want to, you know. And um, so it's 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 different in the sense where like before I truly believed that I was alone. And now I know that I'm not. So even when I have those moments of loneliness, they're not really long lasting and they're not like damaging in a way. You know what I'm saying? Mm. It's like I'm more content, like kind of like what you said, Mike, where you're uh, you can be alone and not feel lonely. And it's more of that than anything else. That's Jay? all I got. Dennis, you're never alone, little buddy. That's what you say, and then you have to go to work. <laughs> um, I, thank you for always uh, coming up with the topics, Mike, and making a nice syllabus for us to, to read. And It's just very, very good work every week. I appreciate you a lot. Um, so first question is, were you lonely before the program? Unequivocally, yes. I um, I drank because I had an emptiness inside me, and um, whenever I got close to anyone, you know, those people couldn't trust me because I was only thinking about myself. And it didn't matter if I was dishonest with them or anything. So who would even want to be around me once they found me out? I was lonely because I was not uh, tapped in to the spirit of the universe. I was not close to God. Because drinking and drugs cut me off from the source of all power in the universe, which is God. And, um, you know, it took me a long time to really acknowledge that God was inside me all the time. I just had to, to awaken that that God muscle in me, which my I learned from my wife. And, um, you know, I was, I was always lonely trying to fill my empty void, my emptiness uh, with, with anything, with, with people, um, with things, with drugs, with alcohol, with shopping, with, with just excitement, travel, you know, but none of that stuff really worked like God works now. So, you know, I was 
lonely in the sense that I was empty and I didn't know what was wrong with me. And until I knew the truth, which I can no longer deny, um, I think everyone has a sense of loneliness until they really truly tap into God. Um, that's my belief. Um, people can argue with me all they want, but that's how I believe today. That's what worked for me. Let's put it that way. When I when I tapped into God, I was no longer lonely. I saw people. I built relationships. I've changed everything. Um, so to answer your question, was I lonely before the program? Absolutely. Did you did you find? And I, I'll give my perspective on this. Maybe we can go around. Uh, a couple of the other, the next two questions that I had, uh, were you lonely you in the program and are you lonely now? So like the change that started, it sounded like James, like when you found God, that's when it, uh, it worked in, in your story. And you can listen to the early episodes that we have the first couple, uh, two, three, four and four. Um, we told our stories of having a spiritual awakening you know, and you had that prior to coming back into the rooms. Um, I found in, in my, it took, it took me a little bit. It took me probably, I don't know, like 30 days before I was like, okay, I know this is very important. So let me like work on it. The first 30 days I was, I was just the, the booze. I felt like I still was like floating. Like I didn't understand I was still irritated. Uh, I, I guess I felt like I accomplished something after three weeks because I had, hadn't gone three weeks without it anyway. But new in the program, I was still I was still lonely in that um, the first couple weeks it took a while for people to not reach out their hand because I got some handshakes, but actually feeling like outside of the two other people that I knew before coming into the rooms because I worked with, Crystal being one that told her story, and um, then my other coworker, and my sponsor, that my sponsor, I am so grateful because he helped me become less lonely because once a week we would work on stuff through the book you know and read and he came over to my house and I remember being I'm sure it was was so strange to my wife at the time you know because she didn't understand she knew I had a problem with drinking but then there's just this you know strange guy coming over the house and bringing his book and going through it and I didn't uh I'm grateful. I didn't have it. None of my friends were judgy about the whole thing. I, I know some people's experiences, their friends give them a hard time and tell them, you know, that it's not going to work. I didn't, I didn't really have much of that. Um, yet at the same time, some of my friends that I hung around with, I needed to put just a little bit of space, you know, so that made me more lonely and, honestly doing the work yes finding God for me um, something that helped was doing the work in the big book or what my sponsor recommended Um, because I hadn't 
got active in the meetings before or after the meetings early on that that ended up coming but the first several months where I got sober they were doing that but there wasn't like an invite like I feel like we do all the time and we're like hey we're gonna you know walk down the street we'll be outside if you want to hang out that's so easy right in Vermont it was like you had to get in your car you had to go sometimes a couple towns over and drive 20 minutes you know so you know we have a luxury and if you're listening to this and you're new in the program or refer to it or you're here on vacation um the three of us or the chairperson will usually tell you like how many days a week would you guys say there's usually somebody outside uh the coffee shop just hanging out that's in the program a couple days a week maybe six Usually six days a week. The last couple of weeks, it's been less because everyone's gone or yeah. everyone's out of town and stuff. You know, I mean, in, I'm grateful for that because I know that doesn't happen everywhere. So sometimes just coming into the rooms, it still is lonely um, unless you're able to plug in and identify and know that, you know, you're not alone. Meaning even if you have to go through life and the rest of the day, you're not around anybody else. You're not alone. There's somebody else that's gone through it. Um, maybe just a little different, but some of the same emotions are there. So that helps me as well on that. Dennis? Yeah. Dennis? <clears throat> well, I, ben- I was like kind of beneficial in the sense that like I had met, like I had known our friend Jay before we came in he's the one who invited me to the first meeting but from hanging out with him i had met a few people that were in the program before i ever entered the program so i had already met my sponsor before he was my sponsor and i had met our friend kevin and i had met a couple other people or whatever so it was kind of like i walked in to a place where i kind of knew people like none of those people were at my first meeting except for Jay but like you know I knew some people that were involved in the fellowship in our our area so that was a little more comforting but you know my anxiety was bad so I was like really panicky when I went in but then like you know even for like a month or two or for a while I definitely felt like you know like a new student at a at a new school kind of you know first day of school where like you know you you feel out of place you feel like you don't know if you want to be here or not you know you're still like learning you don't know anyone people are reaching out and being kind and trying to talk to you and stuff but you you know someone like me i don't not comfortable talking to people i don't know so that's all like uncomfortable And I think it probably wasn't until I think there was two factors that made me feel more a part of and more like that I belong there was when I started doing service and I started making coffee. You know, you get there and you you're actually doing something physical for the group and you're like the first one there. So people coming in like you have no choice but to talk to them. You know, you're like the greeter and you're a coffee maker. You're like. So you get to know people more on a personal, casual level, which I think helped a lot. 
But then also when James first showed up, right, and he sat next to me or whatever, and we got to know each other, is like he was the first one, like in the group that I had met who was right around the same sobriety date as I had. Like we're only a couple of days apart. But then also like he had the same, like we have a lot of the same interests, you know, we, we both like a lot of the same movies and, and video game and stuff like that and like animation and stuff. So like, it made me feel a lot more comfortable because like, I was like, this dude's just like me. Like, you know, like we're at the same thing. We're taking this journey together kind of, and it made me feel a part of. But then also like what you mentioned Mike was um, of like the fellowship afterwards taking the time to actually go hang out with people in the fellowship even if they're not have anything in common with me and stuff like that is very helpful because then you build relationships that are like more grounded on like stuff that matters rather than like the superficial stuff you know and I think that's it service finding like-minded people and fellowshipping with people in the group afterwards, you know? Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. James, James what do James. you got? Anything? Are we on uh, when you're lonely? When sure. you're in the program? Like, yeah, but like those, those next <laughs> two new in the program and you can transition to if you're lonely now. Um, I imagine you're not, but you could surprise us. Thanks, Mike. I'm not lonely now. So, but please. I'll elaborate. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, guys. Um, you know, when I when I had a spiritual experience and I, I moved up to Celebration, I knew no one. I didn't know anybody. And um, right away... I went to the morning meetings and, you know, I met the big five, the old timers, as I call them. We had Al, Steve, Richard, Ray, William, Danny, you know, I guess the big six. (laughs) All of those guys were were just amazing. Like they would come and talk to me and just really embrace me and be like, hey, it's okay. I, I met sponsor Brian and in two weeks after moving up here I had a sponsor so someone I could talk to about my issues um, but like I said before the most important thing was I had I believed in this in God and I knew for a fact that he was real he gave me a glimpse of the spiritual realm only you know not everyone gets a chance to look at and um, it's it's quite remarkable and so I was able to really never feel alone. Um, you know, I, I got to meet Dennis. I met you a few months later, Mike, at that Saturday. I only saw you on Saturday, but I always loved when you shared. Um, and, you know, I thought it was fascinating. When you're like, oh, that's Radio Mike. He's a radio DJ. And, you know, I grew up in the, the 80s and 90s, so radio DJs were, like, amazing to me. I was like, oh, I got to get to know this guy. That's so cool. And um, I just, I loved just being a part of something new and really embracing the program. And 
when you do that, you know, you, you never really feel alone. I can, I can isolate if I wanted to. I could stay at home. I'm, and in these four years, I've, I've pretty much always went to a meeting every day. So I'm always around people and around issues and, and problems that people have. But more importantly, I'm around solutions to those problems because for half the people in the meeting who are going through issues, the other half have gone through them and they're offering solutions. It's quite remarkable. I don't feel alone today. I, I feel at peace today. I feel content in almost every circumstance. Most of all, I feel love towards others and, and the outside world as a, as a whole. And it's uh, it's a great place to be, guys. It's really nice. Awesome. Thank you, James. I think the last part of loneliness, the isolating, I know, Dennis, you, you mentioned it before. Um, I'm, I'll flip this on its head and um, if you see somebody isolating or you feel yourself isolating how um, how to help them or how to help yourself for me definitely that first year first year and a half of uh, in sobriety I felt like isolating something that we don't deal with as much down here because of the weather is the seasonal depression that in much of the country people go through and is such a real thing where in the winter you don't want to leave your house you you don't want to do anything and in a lot of areas Vermont it is so stinking cold and snowy November, December, January, February and usually March even it is just terrible. That is almost half the year of wanting to not leave and to isolate. And it is a real thing to try to have to break out of that. Um, you know, I'm fortunate that I don't feel the need to isolate right now. But I think it's only because in my head, I know it's not going to do me any good to just be in my head. Um, and the only way to get out, you know, a couple weeks ago when I was going through a tough time of being like, well, I'm going to have to, you know, put my boots on and, and find a new place to live that is nice and safe and that has everything I need and that I can afford. And instead of spinning in that, um, I knew that action had to be done. So the first thing that I did is to know that I can't just sit in and isolate. Um, so I gave, I gave Dennis a call and I mentioned, it's like I had to get out of my head. And the only way to do that is to make sure that I'm not isolating in my head. Maybe not physically, because I can isolate in a crowd by just thinking of myself and, and the future problems and the past regrets. If I want to, I can definitely do all that stuff. I have a built-in forgetter. And I need to be reminded of that, which is why um, I think going to meetings and also having a fellowship that you can text and keeping up with, you know, some people just really lean on their sponsors to make sure that their sponsor knows everything about them. So that way, if the shit hits the fan, 
then you're not like, oh yeah, by the way, all this stuff has gone wrong. And they're like, what? Like, how am I supposed to help? You know, weeks and weeks of stuff gone wrong. You know, it would have been a heck of a lot easier us having a five-minute conversation, you know, uh, a week or every couple days so I would know. So I don't just uh, sit in that stuff. I don't self-isolate. And if somebody else is having a tough time, um, you know, some people will just pray for them, say, I'll say prayers for you. But I like also just, you know, asking them for a simple cup of coffee. Hey, you, you want to grab coffee? Or if somebody shares something in a meeting and the share seems like it's tough, I'm grateful that before program, I would be like, oh, good luck with that. But now I know if I want to have a good day, I have to say like, hey, you know, we're going to go hang out for 30 minutes. If you want to come, come on by. And now whatever they want to share about their stuff or the stuff that they did share in the meeting, I'm able to like bring that up. But isolating is um, something I, I run from. I have to stay away from. So that's my take on it. Dennis? Yeah, I like isolating. <gasps> yeah. Um, but I know it's not good for me. Like a lot of what um, what stirred up this new batch of anxiety that I've been dealing with for this year stemmed from isolation where I had to like quarantine, you know, and like, you know, there's other factors. I wasn't eating right. I wasn't exercising. I wasn't like plugged in I was truly like isolated and not doing well but then like enough a long enough period of time like I was fine for like two weeks just perfectly fine and then all of a sudden massive panic attacks and then two weeks later I had another massive panic attack and a lot of that stemmed from the isolation if I didn't if I wasn't forced to isolate like that it probably would have been a different story but because of like my anxiety and like you know it's it's pretty much like a you know anxiety with like a side effect of agoraphobia so it's like when I have the anxiety I don't want to go out I don't want to like leave my house or do anything out of you know it's fear it's irrational fear or whatever but it's there so my tendency always is to like isolate but one thing that has helped me come out of that a little bit, like I'm still working on it, obviously, but um, is, you know, I, I have relied on the program to the extent of like talking to people, talking to my sponsor about it, talking to, you know, Mike and James and my other friends about what I'm going through. And I also like kept my commitment to like making coffee in the morning so like, even though like, I'm not really sitting in on the meetings at this point, I go and I make the coffee and then I go home and then I go back and like help tear down and stuff. And although like, you know, I'm not able to sit in the meeting for an hour and like listen to people at this point, I'm still able to go and like be a part of, you know, and I still will go to coffee after and talk to people and like, you know, uh, keeping this podcast you know, has been very integral to like my sanity in a way. Um, and then also like I have 
like people that will call me and check up on me and stuff like that. I have one friend who I talk to every day for like an hour, you know, and, um, and it's good. It's, it's good to like, even though like, because of my mental illness, I'm like not able to do everything that I would like to do at this moment, that'll change. And it has changed before. Um, I'm still like staying connected with people on a personal level. You know, and that helps a lot. You know, that's thanks, all I got. Thanks, Dennis. James, you want to wrap it up on the last note of isolation? Yeah, just for me, if, if I find myself isolating um, and um, I have to find out first if I'm, you know, in contact with God, if I'm in contact with God and I'm by myself, I'm okay. If I'm isolating and I'm in my mind not connected to God then I need to reach out to God first and then perhaps someone else uh, isolating um, is kind of to me it can be a negative wor- word um, but uh, being alone and content with your higher power um, can be viewed as isolating but you could be perfectly healthy and normal um, so today I don't find myself isolating without God. If I'm alone and I'm feeling uncomfortable, I go right to God and I seem to be okay. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you guys. We'll put a bow on it. Another great week. We'll be back next Thursday sharing our experience strength to hope the on episode 103. With an effective character is entirely ready to have all these character defects or moods. Remember, it's hard to be lonely when Dennis is around. And <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's true though. Ha, ha, ha.